afternoon wherever you are in the world welcome back to another episode of reconnect with your teenager with yours truly emma g all the way here in washington dc if you are new to this platform if you are new to me hello kia ora bula bonjour wherever you are um i am a youth empowerment through songwriting coach musician singer songwriter and my whole purpose is to save the world one song at a time by not just writing music like the one you just heard but also helping young people step into their voices their power through the art of music and songwriting but of course it is not the most conventional form of youth empowerment or youth work so i thought why not write a book about reconnecting the teenager and let's take it one step further and talk to other unconventional or seemingly unconventional experts therapists mentors counselors so on and so forth who also work with young people and today i am pleased to be joined by none other than cynthia I don't even know how, how to pronounce your last name. Longo Kofel. Kofel, which is terrible because my last name is also unpronounceable. And, you know, but Cynthia Kofel, all the way from Kansas, <laughs> um, you do so much for the world of young people when it comes to the work that you do um, because you work with a very wide range of, of ages as they're stepping into adulthood, mm-hmm. which is kind of... I don't know, that really tricky space for a lot of parents because it really is kicking the bird out of the bird's nest, which is, mm-hmm. can be very scary. Mm-hmm. And um, it results in a lot of funk on both sides, both for the teenager mm-hmm. and for the parents. So welcome. Tell oh, me about you. yourself. Um, you know, what, what got you into doing this type of work? Because you've been doing it for a minute. Uh, yes. Well, I have I have been working with young people for 31 years. I was a teacher for six years, and then I became a school counselor, and I was a school counselor for 25 years. And I just retired this summer, but I wanted to keep working with young people because it's the love of my life. So now um, I am a life coach for young people. And my age range is kind of large. It's like 12 to 24, but that is... I mean, all of those ages in there are kind of the ones that I really want to work with. And there's so many really fun transitions that go mm-hmm. on during that time. And so I, I love that. That's just um, the type of age that I want to work with. And then I end up working with parents just because most of those kids are minors. And as I work with them, I'm also working with their parents to help them understand what I'm doing with their child. Or sometimes I'm giving them some pointers or tips or things to do to help the relationship with their child that's it's fascinating because you know with the space of work that we that we live in um there's obviously the HIPAA laws that come into play Mm -hmm. how do you navigate that space and for anybody who's not familiar with the HIPAA laws um those are like confidentiality and safety um parameters that youth workers and and counselors and therapists have to work within um how do you navigate that space when it comes to directing the or, or supporting the conversation with young people and then making sure that the parents are aware of that journey and and those perhaps potential 
breakthroughs and mind blocks because it's not about just addressing the the issues. It's about celebrating the wins as well, right? Sure. Um, well, that's a great question because that's typically one that kids are most concerned about. What am I, what are you going to tell my parents? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, of course, there's the same rules that I had in my counseling office at school. If you're talking about hurting yourself, killing yourself or killing others, of course, those are things I have to tell someone about. I can't, and, and the parents. And then of course, if they talk about abuse, that's something that I have to report to the state that they live in. And luckily I haven't had any of that as a life coach. Now, when I was in my school counseling role, of course I had different times where I had to do that. But um, I have parents that want both things. I have some parents that are like, I'd like to have a summary of things that are going on in the sessions. And so yeah. if, if I have that parent, then I just ask the child or the however old they are that I'm working with, what do you want me to share? And a lot of times stuff that we're working on is fairly neutral. You know, it, it isn't anything that's going to be upsetting to the parent. It might just be something that the parent, like I do a lot of thought work, like mm -hmm. think these kinds of things, you're going to have this kind of an outcome. And so if they're practicing new thoughts, I might tell the parent, these are the new thoughts we're working on so that they can also reinforce that if, you know, their child doesn't want to get up in the morning. Oh, remember, we're trying this new thought to get out that. of bed or get excited <laughs> or whatever. And I also have some parents that are like, you know what, I just, I know you're going to take care of them and I don't need to know what goes on in the sessions. And so then I don't give them any summary and they're totally fine with that. And the, you know, but I always, I, I never go behind a child's back about any of anything, even if I do need to talk to them about self-harm, um, I will tell the, the child, I know that you don't want me to talk about this with your parent, but I'm going to need to because it falls under these certain rules. So mm -hmm. I, they're never betrayed by me. Even if I am telling their parents something they don't want me to, they know that I'm going to do it. And I also give them the option to be part of the conversation so yeah. that they can either hear what is being said. I have some students that say, I want to hear what you tell my parent, but I don't want to talk. And I don't mm. want my parent to talk to me at that time. <laughs> Advocacy is a, is a huge thing. Is a huge yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, but for yeah. Sure. And so then I'm like, okay, then you can hear the conversation. Sometimes they're like, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. This is too scary because uh, I'm. They're going to have to deal with it at some point, uh, whether I'm I'm there or not. But yeah. Um. So it, I feel like it's always been a good situation. I mean, sometimes they don't want me to talk to them, but that hasn't happened in my life coaching business. So I'm hoping that maybe, um, <laughs> I know, yeah, really, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe the type of um, children or young people that I get in the life coaching realm is a little bit different school. They have to, they get me if they have a certain alphabet, you know, like their right. last name's a certain alphabet or um, the last few years that I worked with students, I had only students that had IEPs. And so if they had an IEP, I was the person. And so, you know, they're kind of forced almost sometimes like, mm -hmm. oh, you have a problem. You need to go talk to this lady. Um, as a life coach, that's all a choice. Like the, the child is choosing me. The parents are choosing me. And that might make that situation a little bit different.
For those who are not American, uh, because I'm not American, mm -hmm. and so my audience is quite diverse, what is an IEP? Thank you for asking that. Even if you are American, some schools call these things different. This is but, true. <laughs> um, for, for my school, um, it was it's an individual education plan. So right. students who have different types of learning difficulties or diagnoses of all different kinds, um, that's where neurodiversity comes in. Um, I would I was working with just students who had the realm of different types of learning or mm. different types of neurodiversity. And I had, I think I had about 280 students on my caseload that had IEPs. So that wow. we had meetings uh, with teachers, we had meetings with the school psych and the parents, and just really talking about how do we best help this child access the curriculum at school. And of course, it could be a million different ways that we might need to modify or accommodate things. And I think that's maybe what sets me apart a little bit as a life coach now, because I have that educational background where I understand how to navigate some of those things in a school system where uh, people who haven't worked in a school system maybe wouldn't know what are the options at school? What kinds of things could my child get while I'm at school? And in my life coaching, I've already helped some parents uh, advocate for certain things at their school that they didn't know existed or they didn't know they were able to do. That's brilliant. I am, um, you know, it's, it's I, I'm, I'm very aware of and, and love the fact that the American school system in particular seems to be making a lot more space for those, you know, adverse childhood experiences and the different ways of learning and the different, um, you know, just approaches to the diverse learning styles that we that we need these days, you know, with the uh, increase in ADHD, ADD, um, the broad spectrum that autism offers us, so on and so forth. And that specifically speaks to me because obviously um, with my history, having had 10 brain surgeries with my, with my hydrocephalus, you know, my learning was very different. Mm -hmm. um, I, I implemented a lot of do, using different colors to memorize things and melodies, obviously, because uh -huh. using power through songwriting. Um, with your, you know, 200, 180 kids that you've been seeing and continue to see, how do you navigate, um, like, how difficult, I guess, is, is it to specialize or to focus on the different tools to help young people not just learn effectively, but then be okay with the fact that they are quote unquote different, mm. you know, where, and I, it's funny, I say that because um, you know, we're all screaming to be unique mm -hmm. in the world of TikTok and Instagram. And yet the minute we are, you know, have that light of, oh, you're different, we kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. go and in, go into it a little bit. So how, how do you balance that with the students that you're working with? Well, I just, I think so much about, you know, I know that they sometimes feel like, well, I'm different. I remember a student said to me one time, I wish I was normal. And yeah, I know. And so we had this whole conversation. That I don't think, I mean, they were looking at normal as these, you know, like this typical kid over here, these kids 
look like this or act like this? And why am I different? Or why do I stand out in some way? But we had this long conversation about what is normal. And I let them know that there is no such thing as normal. And we just talk about how every single person, no matter what, if you are human, you have 100% worth and value. Mm. And no matter what, um, what things have been done to you, no matter what people have said to you, because I remember one student said, well, my dad said that I was worthless. And I was like, well, just because someone tells you that doesn't take any of your worth away. No person can say a thing and there's nothing you can do, even if you've done something that is against the law or whatever, that doesn't take any of your worth away. And we just have long conversations about how we, we have everything that we need when we came here and we get, you know, we have that worth and that value. Mm -hmm. And I know it's so easy to look around and see, oh, well, I'm not like this person or this person has a hundred friends and I have 10 or this person gets all these likes and I don't get them or whatever. But we just, really try to dig down into, you know, that isn't where worth comes from. You know, we can't earn worth by the likes we get on social media. You know, we just already have it. It's just, and it is a difficult concept. And I think teens really struggle with it because they're really trying to figure out who they are. I mean, this is their first as a child, they don't really think about it so much. But once they start needing to be an individual person away from their parents and um, kind of away from who their friends are, it becomes really difficult because if they're too different, they might not fit in a group somewhere. And then what will they do? Mm. And so we just talk about um, that there are so many ways, you know, like, they think that someone who's outgoing doesn't have any fear to walk into a place ah, where people yeah. are. And it's like, oh, they still do. Because I'm an, I'm an outgoing person, but I still, you know, I don't want to go into that lunchroom where I don't know where I'm going to sit and I don't know mm. who's going to be nice to me. But then I just, even though I have that fear and kind of that sickness inside, I just go up to someone, hey, do you have anyone sitting by you? Can I talk to you? And I tell them that, you know, that fear that comes up, you just have to work through it. You just have yeah. to keep on going. And, yeah. you know, the people that accept you and are like, hey, sit by us. Those are the people you want to be with. You don't want to be trying to be like something where people are rude or you mm-hmm. know, you're fitting into a certain group. So I don't know if that answered the question. No, but- I love that. I love that. And you, you've, you've inspired so many other thoughts from me. I like you're talking about the when it comes to recognizing and understanding your value mm-hmm. is something that you're innately born with. It reminds me back to a yoga meditation that I had years ago in Barcelona where the, the, you know, the, the yogi instructor said, you are loved, mm. you are love yes. and everything you could possibly need lives within you. And I was just like, yes, can we please remind our young people about this? You know, you mm. are loved you are love and everything you could possibly need lives within you is mm-hmm. such a pause. Like it's such a powerful statement and such a powerful reminder that the, we were born perfect. Yes. And it's, it's people's opinions that dampen that. And mm-hmm. the, the most important thing is not to let somebody else's opinion, you know, really shape, you know, reshape 
who you are, which then took me on to that, uh, the, the story of the $100 bill. Are you familiar with that story? I, I think so, uh, but go ahead. I, I might like, not know it all. I mean, it's, I paraphrase very badly. I'm, I'm not the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best person when it comes to punchlines, but you know, the, the whole pre preface, or premise rather is, you know, a hundred dollar bill stays a hundred dollar bill, no matter what you do to it, mm -hmm. you can crumple it up. You can, you can stamp on it. You can, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to do, try to, you know, ruin this hundred dollar bill, mm -hmm. but it's still a hundred dollars and it yeah. still holds that value no matter how much you try to shake it. Um, and that's totally true for, for our young people, which brings me to my next question, <laughs> because, you know, as you are working with young people to recognize and, and hold on to that recognition of their value, you talk about thought leadership, thought, thought, um, mm -hmm. thought, uh, what was the term you used? Thought work, I think. Thought I work, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think is such a powerful, um, concept that people don't necessarily like to uh pay attention to you know mm -hmm. but the, the saying of your thoughts become your your words your words become your actions your actions become your habits your habits become your your life right yet we are so quick to dismiss those negative thoughts as ah oh, it's water for ducks back mm -hmm. how does your thought work work are you a fan of affirmations? Are you a fan of how does that like how do you help teenagers to redirect their thoughts in a powerful and positive manner? At the beginning of school, but actually no matter when I get kids, I do this, but I like it at the beginning of school because when a school year is fresh, you are just so excited about the year and you have all these ideas about all these things you're going to do and you're going to be so successful and all the stuff's going to happen. And then school happens and kids are mean and the teacher's bad or you get behind in your work or whatever. And then you just kind of give up on all that and just think, oh, well, who cares? This year's ruined. I'll try next year. But I do what I call a belief plan. So I have them imagine the end of the school year and our end of our school year is May. I know some states have June and in other countries, I'm sure it's all over the place, but <laughs> February to November. Yeah. Yeah. I never know <laughs> what's going on in other places, but um, I haven't, you know, the end of school, think about, okay, you just ended the year. You got the grade you wanted and it doesn't have to be straight A's because not everybody wants straight A's, but you got the grade you wanted. You got on the team you wanted. You have all the friends you want. You just feel amazing. Think about, feel that feeling and we feel it in our bodies and we really think about what would that be like to feel that successful and amazing. And then what am I thinking right now as I have that good feeling and what are those thoughts? And we just write down some of them. And then my teaching is your thoughts create those feelings. So the reason you feel so successful is you're thinking, I'm, this is the best year ever. I'm having so much fun. I had all, I did all the things that I wanted to do. Okay. Now just think those thoughts and think, you know, keep reminding yourself of those thoughts right now. And you can have that feeling today, even though it's August and we have clear till May to get to that successful end of the year. And just every day they remind themselves and maybe they change the thoughts around a little bit because maybe their grades are fine, but now they need to work on the friendship or maybe mm. their friends are good, but they want to join that team that doesn't, you know, even happen until spring or whatever. So 
They might change some of those thoughts, but they just write them down and they can either have them on a post-it note. Um, I sometimes have students like type them up and have them as a screen saver. Mm -hmm. So whenever, because they're going to look at their phone a lot in the day. And when they pick <laughs> up their phone, oh, there's those thoughts that I'm going to remind myself to think. So it's, it's kind of like affirmations, but at the same time, sometimes affirmations can be kind of rote or um, if they're like, I am so beautiful and perfect, you know, even though that sounds nice, if you don't believe it, yeah, then it, it doesn't matter. And so I talk to kids too about like, if they are starting with the thought, I hate myself, which some of them do, you're not going to go to, I love myself just because it's written down somewhere. Mm. What are some like ladder thoughts? Like what else could I think? Well, I, I, it's possible I could start to like myself. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we just keep moving up the ladder until we can get to, and we're probably not going to get to, I'm perfect and I'm so great, but we're going to get to, you know, I accept who I am and I accept the way that, that I, that I was made and I'm good yeah. with it. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you're, that you bring up that as an example, I've worked with teenagers before, similarly, um, you know, re reframing those negative thoughts but in a way that we, we write a song out of it but mm -hmm. instead of instead of you know going from I'm perfect and you know mm -hmm. everything is wonderful um really focusing on you know the key points that they do like about themselves mm -hmm. um and so that's that's a really it's it, I, I love that you are incorporating um you know because affirmations you're right for generation z they just <laughs> they mm -hmm. seem a little bit naff sometimes, but mm -hmm. like creating a screensaver out of them, creating a, a song out of them, creating um, just a diary journal entry mm -hmm. um, out of them can be a really powerful thing. When it comes to um, that, you know, those shifts, however, I feel, well, at least in the work that I do, um, from the outset, it can feel like really slow work mm -hmm. in some ways mm -hmm. because, you you know, our spirit, our soul, our heart um, are not tangible items that we can witness. Right, right. right. <laughs> so, like, when it comes to the goal setting that you're talking about, how does a child or a teenager that you're working with know that they have achieved the goals that they set out with you at the beginning? Well, we look at small wins because even just becoming aware that you, most people aren't paying attention to any of their thoughts. Um, and, you know, we, we wake up in the morning and we feel terrible and we're just like, oh, well, I feel terrible. And you don't realize that the reason you feel terrible is because some, some kind of records or, or I guess records is probably not something young people know oh, much no, about. They're, they're coming back. They're coming back. I, I have seen yeah, a few yeah. at Walmart. Yeah. That's I, I have one. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. But there, there are, there is a circle of thoughts going around that are probably negative, mm -hmm. which is why when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't feel good. I don't like whatever. Um, so we look at small wins, like, first of all, just becoming aware that you have thoughts and that some of them feel good and some of them don't feel good. Some of them are pleasant or unpleasant is, is a, is a win because mm. we haven't even paid attention to that before. And then after we, okay, now I'm, I'm paying attention. Now what? Then we start talking about, okay, well, how would you like to feel? And if you want to feel that way, what would you have to think instead? 
and then just practicing doing that. And that's a win just trying to have different thoughts. And, and we just kind of go, we just keep looking at what, what are we doing? That's good. What's, what step forward did we make? And I remind them at the very beginning, so they don't get discouraged that these thoughts don't ever go away. Like, cause that was a mistake I made when I started doing this thought work for myself. I kept thinking, well, I already worked on that. Why do I, why does that keep coming back to me? You know, like I, I didn't think I was worthy and I didn't think that people liked me or, you know, all these different things. And I would work on it and I'd feel better. And I'd be like, oh, I don't think that anymore. And then something would happen where I'm sitting somewhere and people aren't talking to me. And I'm like, wait a minute, no one likes me, you know, and it would come back to me again. And, and I would be mad at myself because I would say, well, wait, I already fixed this. I already took care of it. And then I'm like, oh, they're all those, those things are always going to come up. And I just know that I have the power to, to turn it around, or I have the power to realize that it's going to be there and just say, okay, thank you. But I'm, I'm choosing uh, new me or however you want to look at yourself is going to think something different. I, that's how I used to think. I don't yeah. want to think that way anymore. And so you, it's a, it's a forever process. I tell kids till you're 100. Cause I always tell them I'm going to live to be 100. So until <laughs> you're 100, you are going to have to work on this, but that's okay because they, they happen less, they're less uh, loud and you can, you know, start going forward in your life, even though they might be kind of whispering back there, but you don't have to pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I heard the the metric that, that we we think something ridiculous, like four hundred and forty thousand thoughts. Yes, it's a, a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so to to think that you know a good chunk of those four hundred and forty thousand thoughts every day are not only relatively negative, uh, unfortunately on default, but mm-hmm. also repeated. Mm-hmm. on default mm-hmm. um you know that 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 acknowledgement that sometimes you have to work a little bit harder to notice them let alone mm-hmm. lovingly let them go and transform into something else that's such important work mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm curious to know when it comes to working with a 12 year old compared to working with a 24 year old <laughs> because that's the kind of mm-hmm. age range that you that you right. uh, focus on how does that look different in terms of your approach well my approach isn't too much different just because i believe and i tell this to adults who listen to my podcast cuz my podcast is for teens but i have i have way more adults listen to it than teens mm. and I believe emotional regulation, which is what most of my podcast is about and thought work is emotional regulation. Um, it works the same, no matter how old you are, how we regulate a toddler is the same way I still regulate myself. I mean, you just have to like, think about it in that way. So that part, isn't it? The way I work with them, isn't any different. The part that I see that's different is a 12 year old can't leave a bad situation if their home is a is a bad situation. They can't say, oh, well, you know, this isn't for me. See you later, because those are their parents. Now, you know, we can work on what that relationship looks like. And um, I try to help them as much as I can. 
but a 24 year old who has a bad relationship with their parents doesn't have to go home and see them or doesn't have to, I mean, there's, they're going to probably have to have some interactions and hopefully they can repair whatever the damage is, but they have some agency to drive away and not deal with them or mm. move away and not deal with them where a 12 year old can't move away from a family that's chaotic or dysfunctional. And unfortunately, sometimes the dysfunction isn't bad enough that they, you know, aren't going to live there. It's just, yeah. they've got to figure out how to navigate it. And so I just try to help as much as I can, that they can, can see how much control they do have. And a lot of that has to do with their thoughts, because if they're thinking, well, this sucks, I hate this, my life is ruined. That's going to feel worse than I'm going to make it through this. And I'm going to be able to I'm going to be able to leave in three years, you know, to right, them three years right. is forever away. But I just, <laughs> when I talk about that hundred year, you know, you're going to live for a hundred years. If you look at a timeline of a hundred years, three years, you can't even see it. Right. And so right. I try to explain that to them too. Sometimes I just use that in about high school. If they hate high school. Well, you know, that high school time, you can't even see it on this trajectory of life. So, you know, just figure out how, how are you going to be as positive as you can through this situation and then you get to do whatever you want when you get out of there, you know, at 18 or graduate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I want to circle back to the family thing very shortly, but um, Inquirer Rachel is asking what the name of your podcast is. It and is Better Regulate Than Never, which I think is, um, that's my business name too. So it's underneath my name, but um, that's why I chose that for my business name because I started my podcast before I started my business. Right. And I just love the Better Regulate Than Never. It just, to me, makes so much sense. Yeah. And so even though my name isn't actually part of my business, I just usually have better regulate than never life coach Cynthia Gofold. <laughs> so right, right. like put together. And I, and I love that because it, it's, you know, we often feel like we need to get everything sorted and have the perfect life now, yes. now, 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 yeah. now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, success, whatever that looks like for, for people, especially young people. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were, we're so adamant that we need things yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the better regulate than never. I, I just, I love that. You've been running that for how long now? Two and a half years. I started, well, actually I didn't start the podcast during the pandemic. I did a YouTube cause you know, I was still working in a school, so mm -hmm. I had no access to my students whatsoever. So I created a Google classroom and put YouTube videos in it where I would just, you know, tell them positive things and keep your thoughts going, you know, or like I would just do these different things. And then kids would tell me, I listened to those videos all summer long, you know, that was way after I was even doing them. And I thought, I need to have a podcast. I need to be talking. To, I need to go into kids' homes or into their cars or into the whatever they are so that they can hear this message. And then I thought, and then I will reach more kids than just the ones that are in my school. Mm -hmm. And now uh, that this is my job where I'm working with kids around the United States, uh, and people all over the world listen to the podcast. I, I it's just really encouraging to me that this this message will get out to many more people. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I want to um, maybe throw you a bit of a curveball now. Okay, <laughs> if you're ready, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> you you talked a lot about you know obviously a big. Um, 
obstacle for younger young people that you work with um, is very rooted in their family life because when they're navigating issues in the home, uh, they can't get away. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm from New Zealand originally. Um, my mother was from Erie, Pennsylvania, and I've been living in DC for the last eight years. But I've noticed a significant difference between how we approach family life in New Zealand compared to here. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is in New Zealand, specifically with our Indigenous people, Māori, um, there is an understanding and a belief that you as an individual are very rooted in your family lineage um so not just your parents but you know going back as as far back as your great great ancestors um you're also rooted you know your 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 um your sense of self and identity is rooted in you know nature and and the earth and um the boat that your family traveled to the country on Mm -hmm. so on and so forth when it comes to living in america (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, you know, I mean, we, we work, you work a lot online, um, but you're, you're based in Kansas. Um, and th- I think the belief systems around family are quite different when it comes to how young people show up for themselves and show up for their families and show up for the world. Do you sort of, how do you navigate that space or d- is that something that even comes up for you when you're when you're coaching your teenagers um that's such a good question it definitely is a curveball <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no that's totally fine i it makes me think um i guess kind of the way i'm thinking about your question and you'll just have to tell me if i'm not uh, i'm not answering it the way you were thinking but I I talk to kids a lot about the responsibility of living in a family. And because I've raised two kids and I have two uh, stepchildren now, and I also have two grandchildren at which I'm, I'm not helping parent, but I'm enjoying very much. But I talked to them about um, what what I talked to my own children about was when you live in a a home together, everyone has a responsibility to take care of the home. Cause I have a lot of parents complain, well, my teen doesn't clean the room and they don't take the trash out and they don't, you know, do all these things. And I just talk to kids about when you live in a, in a family, everyone has a job to, to do to make mm-hmm. the family work and your parents aren't the people that just do all the work. And then you just lay around and, and not take care of the things that are part of your home because it's everyone's home. Mm. And I think sometimes kids maybe don't feel like it's their home because, you know, the adults are saying, well, we paid for this stuff and you, you know, like you don't have any say in certain things or whatever. And so that dynamic can be different with different families. But I just try to get them to understand that they do have a role to play in their home. And they also have a role to play in their community. I talk to them a lot about giving, giving back into their community. Cause even a 12 year old can volunteer somewhere. Um, my children did volunteer when they were in middle school, going to a care home and reading the bingo card number, oh, you know, wow. like the numbers, or there was one time, um, my daughter would go and she would paint the nails for the ladies. Cause they're really shaky or maybe they couldn't see very well. And she would paint their nails or she would read the paper to them because they, you know, couldn't, 
can see it or she just did little things like that. And that's giving back to your community. And you can do that in a lot of different ways, depending. uh, And we lived in a rural town. So um, she still found something to do to volunteer. If you live in a city or something, you'd have a, a lot of things you could do giving back. And whenever you're giving to your community, it just makes you feel better. So even if you are in a bad mood or you feel depressed or low one day, if you go help some people, you just leave there feeling lighter and better. And so it's a way to help your mental health, but it's also doing something for someone else. So I don't know if that is kind of what you were talking about, but I just feel like the family is a unit Mm -hmm. and together you work on things. You're all going in the same direction. You're all wanting to have a nice family together and you want your community to be, to be nice or you want your school to be nice. So everyone in the school needs to work together to have um, pride in their school or do things for their school. So um, I hope that, I mean, those lessons aren't always being taught. I see a lot of adults not acting like that at all, but (laughs) no comment. There's a, I know there's enough of us that hopefully, you know, we're teaching those those values of um, family and togetherness and connectedness, you know, that the world is connected and we're connected to our community and to our family. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you, Cynthia. I, I feel like we we could talk for hours and hours and hours about, know, you know, so fun. Our, our work is so aligned and I, mm-hmm. I love, like, I, I keep going back to your, to your thought work and I'm just like, yes, I, you know, if only, if only we had more people, you know, youth workers and youth empowerment workers recognizing, um, you know, the power of thought when it comes to our young people and, and helping them to, to step away from the TikTok algorithms and recognize that they are in control of, yes. of where their thoughts are going. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, sometimes they need to take a break from that if that's making them feel bad. I mean, I think that social media is amazing. I have a lot of fun with it, but, but if it's making you feel bad, then you maybe do need to take a break or not consume as much. I'm a huge believer in reconfiguring the algorithms um, by creating content, like you're saying, mm-hmm. um, that is able to feed into the machine to then generate different feedback. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, I, I love that so much. So through the, your podcast is called Better Regulate Than Never. And, and it is available on? On all platforms. And Fantastic. I, and my website is better regulate than never.com. Just all one word. And my podcast is also on there. So there's like a page of all my podcast episodes there as well. And then it, if anyone was wanting to contact me, you can email me, you can, I'm on almost all the social media. Yep, I don't Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I love yes, it. I love it. I love yes. it. Um, <laughs> I have a TikTok account. I've done a few things. I've, I'm putting a few more things on YouTube. So Um, Yep, there's my website. So um, you can contact me there. Uh, There's ways to work with me if you are wanting to do that. So I would love to hear from people and just see what everyone thought about today and, and the work that I'm doing. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Uh, Thank you for having me. Again, yeah, of course, of course. So please check her out, uh, CynthiaCofill.com. Oh, sorry, better regulate the never.com, Cynthia Kofill on LinkedIn. We have uh, better regulate the never on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Um, 
get in touch to help your teenagers or or preteens or after teens <laughs> as they, as they navig navigate uh, adulthood uh, life into, uh, into adulthood and of course if you are interested in helping your teenagers turn those more empowered thoughts into empowering songs to serve their soul and serve their minds and serve their mouths uh you can also hit me up my name is emma g i'm a youth empowerment through songwriting coach this is the reconnect with your teenager podcast brought to you by of course the iran network or the ranters union um with thanks to the emma g nation patreon supporters if you want to find out more about that check out the link in the bio otherwise until next time friends be kind be safe keep singing your song loudly and proudly and i'll see you next time thank you so much catch you later Get my feelings straight. I dealt with all my mistakes. I turned one into one. So hard to stay sober. I'm damaged and I'm love stoned. So hard to remain in control. Rewriting what I thought I'd know. And I'm drinking it in with a lesson they know. But I can almost pinpoint where we went wrong. I'm not about the sad songs. The foundation said I'm good to go. Living through the love land.
I'm living proof that love wins. I'm living proof that love wins.